Hey, listeners, it's time for a highlight show with interesting clips and tidbits from many, many previous shows. Hopefully, you'll be inspired to go back and listen to the shows that interest you. And I'm going to tee up each of these clips briefly, and then we'll hear from a wonderful assortment of guests on a variety of topics. And here we go with the first clip. It's from Mia Moore, one of my favorite guests, maybe my favorite of all. And we are talking about relationship dynamics, healthy interactions, the skills that are at the highest priority, emotional self-sufficiency being number one in the eyes of many experts. And let's hear a little bit from Mia Moore. She'll be on the show much more frequently in the future. And looking forward to more discussion, we get into a little bit of the John Gray insights and how they apply to both males and females. And how about that voice? He's just a natural on the microphone. Enjoy Mia Moore. The man and the woman, they may just be relationships of the family or, mm-hmm. of, you know, life in general. But, um, but as far as conflict, yeah, I don't, I feel like a relationship, if you're an emotionally, you know, uh, mature or how do you want to call that couple that shouldn't be an issue okay you're 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 squinting when you say that but that's that's beautiful because and and chris gage on the medium writes this all the time that emotional self-sufficiency of the individual is the number one attribute for a successful relationship and there is no number two until the two each part of the couple has emotional self-sufficiency and emotional stability. Without that, the relationship is bound to crumble because the individual's not stable and they're going to blow and compromise the relationship values. That's correct. So if you, what's the, um, read that definition. Well, for me, emotional maturity is the ability to handle situation without escalating it without being angry, um, without blaming the other person, right? For our own behavior, because people do that all the time. They'll blame someone else for our behavior or our reaction, right? That's, to me, that's emotional maturity. Um, You fix, you try to fix the problem, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Emotional maturity, again, John Gray summarizing his book and what he talked about on the show is males, your assignment is to never speak if you have an emotional charge. Do not speak. Shut the F up. Go away. Go into your cave, as he calls it, and only speak to the female when you're in a, 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 a positive state where you can express your appreciation because females want to be appreciated. The female in, uh, encounter, because I don't want to just bang right. on the males because first. But... I was just going to say that. What about the female who's always nagging on the right? So the, the, the female, man, right? The female assignment, and angry and raises right. her voice because he didn't do this, that, or the other. Um, never use a complaining tone of voice. The man wants to be the knight in the shining armor. He right. wants to know that you count on him and all those things. So even minor things, again, this is John Gray insight, even minor things will bug the shit out of him because he wants to be seen as, you know, the someone right. you can trust and count on. So those are two signs of emotional maturity, emotional self-sufficiency right. that I have the, the presence of mind to walk away when I sense a negative emotional charge. And then on the female side, um, 
you're allowed to state your preferences. We're not talking about, hey, be a doormat. Let you tell your man he's a hero when he's watching Monday Night Football and, and, right. and you know, the, 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 the pizza boxes have spilled out onto the new carpet. It's not just Monday Night Football. It could also be Sunday afternoon golf. The next clip is from my main man, Brian McAndrew, longtime co-worker in the Primal Blueprint operation. He's the guy who makes Mark Sisson and I look good on videos and mastering all the audio podcasts, which is a great job for someone who's deeply immersed into the, the ancestral living scene. He's a devoted power lifter, strength trainer in the gym, working his body really hard, super fit. He's been in a deep uh, ketogenic uh, slash carnivorous eating pattern, uh, a lot of fasting and a lot of personal experimentation. So I think you're going to get some interesting insights. Uh, but here we kind of pull back the reins a little bit and talk about how uh, the big picture goals might be more important than obsessing over the nuances of diet. So in other words, like getting rid of the junk food, uh, keeping active and moving well. A nice fresh clip from Brian McAndrew. I think a lot of times we overemphasize, you know, uh -huh. the role it plays. And as long as you don't, you know, you don't want to screw it up, you know, and we talk about, you know, avoiding, you know, sugars, grains, and those uh, processed oils. Like once you get rid of that, it's like maybe diet, all the, everything else doesn't even matter that much compared to all the other lifestyle stuff. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting there, man. I mean, I'm, I don't think I was ever, hopefully not super dogmatic about, uh, you know, my journey and all the different stops, but I know that um, hanging out with Rip Esselstyn gives me a wonderful perspective. Mm -hmm. If you don't know him, he's an old time triathlon buddy of mine. I've known him for 30 years. He's super positive, enthusiastic. He's making a fantastic change in the world. And he's from the entire opposite spectrum of us in the ancestral community. He's part of his brand is called the Engine 2 Diet, best-selling book series. His father, Dr. Caldwell from Cleveland Clinic, is one of the world's leading researchers in reversing heart disease through diet. And they're in the plant-based category where they, you know, swear off animal products. They don't even like um, uh, oils like olive oil mm -hmm. because it's too fat. And they want to emphasize the, Rip calls it the peasant foods of fruits, vegetables, whole grains. Um, but if you spend a little time on a spreadsheet or whatever you want, breaking down the various messaging and the various approaches we have. And me and that mofo went shopping together at the Sacramento Natural Foods Co-op with our little baskets, sharing one basket, and almost everything in there was group activity. Mm -hmm. And then he likes to have a little more fruit than I do when I'm in my keto phases, and he doesn't want a bite of my liver. But, oh my gosh, I think it's for all the listeners to back up a few steps and realize, um, you know, who, who said this, uh, Tommy said this on his blog, Dr. Tommy Wood said, uh, moving around more is way more important than anything you eat. Mm -hmm. If you're not moving around enough, we have to start there. Same with sleep. Anyone would, would chime in there. So now that we got that off your, <laughs> off our chest, you had this shit ass vegan diet, yes. you were training too, you're training too hard and you had a lousy job. So yeah, picking up from there. And that combination of things sort of uh, withered me away into <laughs> a shell of a, you know, a young mid 20 year old person. Um, and it was, I think it was during one of these other, one of these uh, trips to Africa, I think maybe the one where I met my future wife. And I sort of, at that moment, sort of took a look in the mirror and be like, wow, I've, I've sort of uh, 
frittered away my health. And at the same time, I actually, I got a parasite uh, when I was over in Africa. So that oh, further, geez. you know, <laughs> I'd, I'd say you were vulnerable when you went over there. Then I didn't know that storyline before that you, you set yourself up by heading over there as a depleted yeah. like, skinny chicken boy, as Grace called you. Hey, here's a little chit chat I had with Big George, a.k.a. Ray Sidney, my neighbor here at Lake Tahoe, the main man of Lake Tahoe himself, the number one philanthropist in the area. And he talks about in the full length podcast, his journey of going through the highest level of academia, getting hired by a startup company called Google. He was the fifth person ever hired by Google. And as you might imagine, when Google went public and went crazy, he had a liquidation event, a major lifestyle change at a young age uh, where he relocated and has been uh, turning his attention to uh, other things like philanthropy and his amazing athletic achievements up here, anything having to do with water or ice. Uh, interesting conversation. Many people dream of having such a journey and Big George provides uh, some detailed insights. So enjoy the full-length show and this little clip replete with some Borat impersonations. Sorry about that, but we are big fans. So here we go with Ray Sidney. My younger brother and sister, uh, younger brother that you uh, may have met recently, um, they went to Russia. To, they, so I went on a summer trip to Russia to, you know, they stayed with some friends, some family friends of ours who were living in Russia for half a year or a year. And I, I actually wanted to join them. And I didn't because I was in economy mode and spending a few thousand dollars on, on a trip to Russia, even if I were going to do it, you know, really ghetto style and really as cheap as I could, still there's an unnecessary expense. And that could make the difference between me having to go back to work when I'm not ready to and me not having to go back to work when I'm not ready to. And so I'm like, okay, well, I, I can hunker down at home in Mountain View and I can still enjoy myself, but I'm, I'm still in economy mode. I'm still on a budget here. And but so, you fly first to Kazakhstan, then you take train to Russia. It's very cheap. You should have gone. Okay, so you're, back, you're back home uh, hunkering down. And um, working out and all that, keeping fit. We haven't talked about yeah, that much, yeah. but you know, I always like biking, running, lifting weights, such things, right? But but I was in economy mode, as I as I say, and and then uh, it worked out. And you know, after the IPO, I exited economy mode somewhat gracefully, perhaps, uh, and uh, entered a new life, I guess. Um, and, and, you know, not long thereafter, a few months thereafter, I, I moved from the Bay Area to Tahoe. I wasn't feeling like I had a lot keeping me in, Ta uh, in the Bay Area. Tahoe seemed enticing. Seemed, uh, I liked the idea of having more, more space, more quiet. I don't need a lot of city life. I figured I'd be getting in lots of skiing and snowboarding. And uh, a lot of that has worked out okay. Well, you also transitioned to kind of a uh, philanthropic presence, especially here in the Tahoe area. But you, you, you know, you, your, your boy said, uh, don't be evil was the quote that got passed around. And I believe also there was some message conveyed about um, being responsible for the, for the wealth. And um, I remember reading some wonderful uh, insights about that, where, I mean, it obviously came mostly from you, but with this new life that you had, uh, you also kind of changed your focus and direction to to see if you could make a difference in other ways besides writing code. Well, 
you know, look, so everybody's, everybody's part of some community and some people, for some people or some community or communities. And for some people, you know, they're super involved in all sorts of ways with all sorts of community organizations, whatever, you know, that, that's not the same thing as, you know, nonprofit. It's not the same thing as philanthropic, whatever. These are just, you know, kind of labels, whatever, but there's all sorts of stuff going on and, and, and Hey, everybody's part of it to some extent. And, um, you know, for me, the fact that, Hey, all of a sudden after the IPO, I, I had some money meant that, you know, like, okay, that's one way I can help, uh, the community or, or causes that I believe in. Right. I mean, all, all of a sudden now I have more money than I've ever had. And so I can, I can contribute to that. And, you know, I've, I put in some of my time on things, you know, uh, I, I certainly know people, plenty of people who put in a lot more time on unworthy endeavors than I do. Um, I, um, just, hasn't worked out that way for me that I, that I get super involved in this stuff. Um, and you know, for me, I guess it, it's easier, more pleasant, more natural to, to, to help out with, with funding for most things, some exceptions, but, but, um, yeah. I mean, uh, if there's a, uh, a flood and they need, um, people to, to put the sandbags in place, that's great. But if they need to buy 3000 sandbags, everyone has their unique contribution they can make. Well, you don't think I can carry sandbags? Yeah, I, you could probably do both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so was it such that you were calling around, seeing if people needed help? I, I, I recall the, didn't the elementary school like not return your call a couple of times or you, you were asking them if you could help and they forgot uh, to get back to you or something like that? Like, yeah. So, so, you know, education and schools are always near and dear to my heart. And so, um, so it was a natural thing for me to get try try and get involved with the uh the school district here where i live and um i think maybe maybe i uh um kind of showed up suddenly and and i uh you know sent some sent some emails to to some of the schools you know to the principals and and yeah hey you know is there anything that you guys could really use money for and um yeah sometimes it took a while for them to to get back to me i can think of one example of that Okay, here's a clip from my crisp and insightful conversation with best-selling author, marketing expert, and peak performance efficiency expert, Seth Godin. In the clip, he's talking about uh, a reference to one of his great books called The Dip. And this is characterizing uh, how the highest levels of peak performance are extremely competitive. You can think of acting, of sports, uh, but anything that you dream of, that you cultivate a passion and a desire to excel in, uh, you're going to have a point where your improvement curve sort of levels off. And then you're faced with working very, very hard to just make incremental gains. And at the same time, usually, the competition gets incredibly intensified. So he labels this as the dip. And if you can persevere through the dip, that's when the great rewards await. Again, thinking of uh, athlete, performer, someone who's on stage performing a concert in front of 100,000 people, they've made it through the dip, just like anybody in a uniform on the professional uh, arena. But for all of us dreaming of big goals and pursuing the highest expression of our talents, we're going to have a point where there's a dip. And then Seth talks about uh, getting the most out of your potential, 
by focusing and disciplining yourself against the constant opportunity for distraction and diversion. And uh, in the show, man, he had a life-changing quote for me. So go listen to the full-length show where I asked him, hey, Seth, you know, I'm trying to write these books and uh, pursue the highest expression of my talents. And the email inbox is such a pain because it always distracts me and it's so tough to motivate uh, and, and, and focus. How do I do it? And he said, turn that shit off and get the work done. So this is a little juicy stuff from Seth that I think will motivate and inspire you and have you figuring out what's most important and the hard steps that you have to take to focus in and zero in and be the best you can be. Seth Godin. Let's talk about nootropics. These are supplements designed to improve cognitive function, memory, and creativity. And I'm taking three products from a company called New Optimal, NU Optimal. The products are MetaFocus, which promotes flow state and improves processing speed and mental clarity. It contains ingredients like phenylalanine, B12, ginkgo biloba. I'm taking MetaMemory, which is good for memory retention, verbal fluency, reduced oxidative stress, very important for the brain. This product has things like lion's mane, pine bark, and bacopa. And I'm taking MetaDrive for motivation, stress resilience. It's got a little boost of caffeine in there, ashwagandha, rhodiola. They're wonderful products with a lot of scientific detail and easy to understand information on their website. So you get the big picture of what these products are all about, not just stuffing pills down your face, but how to do the stack as they call it strategically. You get a 16 page booklet that'll guide you to optimal use when you purchase. And guess what? 60 day money back guarantee and 30% discount from me. Listen, I'm not a coffee guy. I'm not a drug guy, but I'm always looking for any type of natural edge I can get, especially for cognition. So guess what? Let's avoid that sugary junk food. Let's get enough sleep. Take a power nap when you need one and consider trying some nootropics to see if you get a natural brain boost. So go visit newoptimal.com, N-U-O-P-T-I-M-A-L and enter the code BRAD30 to get 30% discount when you try it. Newoptimal.com for way more details. The essence of what I'm saying to people is there are no promises about a comfortable way to get through the dip. Knowing that there is a dip helps us find an uncomfortable way to go through it. And so I don't have a television and I don't go to meetings. Now, most people don't miss meetings, but a lot of people would miss not having a television. But rip it out. Just turn off your cable. Close your Twitter account. Go ahead, because the work is too important for that. And we know that when we watch, you, you mentioned sports, when we watch a competitor running in the Boston Marathon, she doesn't stop in the middle for a piece of cheesecake, but cheesecake would be delicious. It doesn't matter. You don't win the Boston Marathon if you're going to stop for cheesecake. So if you're working on a book and it's going to make people's lives better, just disconnect all your social media. I know it's painful, but that's why they call it work. At least we don't have to dig ditches. Oh my gosh, I think we just have the headline quote of the the month. You can't win the Boston Marathon if you stop for cheesecake. Seth, I appreciate you so much, man. Tell us where the best places to find you. I, I want everyone to read the blog. And I, I really mean this, like you make it through the gate because of the 
the the brevity and the profound significance of these short posts. But otherwise, I'm doing a good job filtering out anything that's lengthy. So good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Um, visit akimbo.com, A-K-I-M-B-O dot C-O-M. And you can read about our workshops in the Alt-MBA. And you can find my blog by typing Seth into Google. Seth Godin, thank you. Keep it up. Hey, let's check in with Gabby Reese. You may know her as international fitness celebrity, television personality, supermodel, former pro volleyball player. And I had the good fortune of meeting her personally on several occasions, hanging out with Sisson in Malibu. And this girl is really special. I mean, let me tell you, she's popular. She's a public figure, but she's so deep and thoughtful. And she has such amazing insights uh, about relationships and about living a fulfilling, meaningful life. I remember picking up her book. It was called My Foot is Too Big for the Glass Slipper. Uh, she's a six foot three and a half uh, volleyball player. So I think that was the essence of the title. Uh, and I just uh, gave it a listen. And the message was so incredibly powerful and vulnerable. I really became a big fan from a distance. And then I remember my first encounter with her, uh, just hanging out at a restaurant and walking out. They were walking in or something. And I talked to her for like three minutes. And we just had the most amazing conversation uh, talking about parenting and the higher ideals and the reflections and the dilemmas that we have as a parent. Uh, her kids are there in tow. And then we were out of the way and uh, on to our, our busy days. But uh, I I tracked her down. She was so kind to give me the time to do a podcast and uh, also help me get set up with her husband, Laird Hamilton, uh, which was another fantastic podcast coming on the heels of this highlight. And just to show you what kind of person she is, uh, she gave out a nice little shout on social media uh, when our episode aired, uh, which I appreciate uh, guests doing. Uh, but with her amazing following, we had a huge response to that and gained a lot of new listeners to the show. So, hey, I appreciate you doing that yourself to your big network of people. Uh, tell them about the show and especially about this amazing clip with Gabby Reese. Maybe they'll go back and listen to the whole episode. Here we go. The idea that we hurt the person we love makes us very afraid. Instead of saying, okay, um, can you explain what you mean? And that certainly was not my intention. I And by the way, it took me a good solid seven years to, to freely find the way to say I'm sorry. It was very hard for me because the way I grew up, I had to secure and hold on to my own truth so desperately because I didn't have people around me that I really could trust. So I had to be so definitive about what I was thinking and feeling that it also made it be like really hard for me to say I was sorry. And with Laird, Laird has taught me that, but we just have to realize if we're triggered, why are we triggered? And we certainly can't tell people how they're feeling. You know, you can't tell anyone, well, that you're not feeling that. Well, no, no, they are. And, um, and it's so much quicker. This goes back to when we don't put up resistance, you can get through it like that. I mean, they can say, well, this hurts my feelings. And you can say, oh, did I? Okay, well, can you explain to me how? And you know what? I'm so sorry. That was not my intention. And let me tell you, that's actually more important than never hurting their feelings. Because mm. they can say, I can go to this person with my feelings and trust them to handle it carefully. And that will inspire me the next time I'm feeling something to say something. And you become a, a safe person. And then hopefully you inspire them to be a safe person. And, and then you can, 
you can have your feelings because we all have our feelings. I mean, you know, feelings. Yeah, if you're both safe, you then have some emotional control, emotional stability built into the relationship where you can share without the the, the, the drama and the emotional charge that we see in, in dysfunction. I think that would be the, the ultimate goal. But that's why we have to try to find ways to be productive and challenged positively in life. Because if we're not, we definitely will look for it, some action somewhere. And so it's probably with a partner being like, you know what, I'm a little bored. Let's liven this up a little bit. So that's why I think getting out there and trying to like make your life colorful with stuff that like works in your favor um, and experience things because then you won't need to have that as much at home. I mean, hopefully you have excitement and, you know, uh, growth and, and certainly healthy challenges, you know, there are challenges in me all the time um, and passion and things like that. But hopefully it won't have to be like, I get all my excitement from creating friction with my partner. All right, get ready for a big giant bundle of positive energy and enthusiasm that is Laird Hamilton. And this guy, everything he touches turns to gold. It's just amazing the journey that he's been on. Maybe you've read about his Laird Superfood brand, which is now blown up big time with millions of dollars of venture capital and growth. And uh, he talks about uh, just hopes and dreams and, you know, trying to be the best you can be, not getting stuck in your past. Love this guy's energy. It's the same in real life. Let me tell you, this guy is the real deal. And every time you listen to him or read something, one of his wonderful books, uh, we were doing the interview based around his 2019 book release called Life Writer, Heart, Body, Soul, and Life Beyond the Ocean. And it was a quick read, but it was really powerful with some amazing life insights and philosophy from the big wave surf king himself, the man's man, Laird Hamilton. Listen to the clip. I have a saying for that, right? Never let your memories be bigger than your dreams. So <laughs> at the end of the day, don't let, you know, there's a, there was a, anonymous stunt manner said, you know, never let your memories be bigger than your dreams. And I think that we all need to remember that because if you stop having dreams, then you stop having hope. And if there's no, if there's no hope, all is lost. I mean, as long as you got love, you can survive because love is the king, but without hope, it's, 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 it, 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 there's, it, it's a pretty sad road. And, and I think, you know, when you, when you live off of your past, I think we just need to remember like, Hey, that anything's possible and that you can, and that you haven't seen the best years of your life. I think it's, I think, or the best moments or the, you know, or the, or the, or I just think there's so much to look forward to. And there's so many things to do. How could we possibly talk about, you know, being the champ of the football team in high school as the apex of our life? Like we got to, we got to re, you know, then you got to change something and, 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 and have a, you know, get a dream and start, you know, start working on it. But, uh, and I know it's easy to say that. And, but, but the fact is, is that, that it, it can be as easy as just having that thought that it really, it can be as mm -hmm. simple as believing that you can, but, but we got to have some hopes. We got to have some dreams. I mean, it's, it, it's a, you know, the, the end, uh, 
I mean, and the, you know, and back to what you said about the superfood stuff, you know, that my whole food thing is all based around trying to make people feel better. So how can I, I heard a statistic at one point that the most nutritious thing that some Americans do was drink coffee. And I'm like, if that is true, if that's true, then we need to try to put some stuff in there. And then there, and then from that, uh, from that concept, uh, layered superfood was born. And, and then now it's, uh, you know, now we're working on all kinds of, of, of great new products and people are loving the loving the loving the products that we have and and loving the new ones that we're coming out with so it's it's about i mean i feel like that's a contribution that again you want to make a difference in the world you feed people good stuff and watch them excel i mean it's it's you know it's (laughs) it's not that tricky hey listeners enjoy this quick but insightful informative clip from New York Times bestselling author Gretchen Rubin. She has an extremely popular lifestyle blog, GretchenRubin.com. Her books are very interesting and wonderful, compelling topics. Uh, I got her talking about her book, The Four Tendencies, in this clip, which has been really memorable for me. It's a way to categorize people into four different personality tendencies. And you can go take the quiz on her website, GretchenRubin.com. It takes a few minutes, and you will identify which of the four tendencies you are. And she explains each one of them for us and how you learn about uh, how you interact with the world and how to best interact with others based on their personality tendency. She also wrote a nice book about tidying up and uh, cleaning up your home space to reduce stress. Uh, This is not in the clip, but it's in the whole show, and it was a really memorable insight she gave uh, referencing scientific study that merely looking at a pile of clutter will provoke a stress response subconsciously. So you don't even realize that that unfinished home improvement project uh, with the piles of uh, paint supplies or whatever's over there in the corner uh, will stress you out because you haven't dealt with it. So there's a good plug for grabbing her 2019 book, Outer Order, Inner Calm, Declutter and Organize to Make More Room for Happiness. And then also her 2017 book, The Four Tendencies, The Indispensable Personality Profiles That Reveal How to Make Your Life Better. Okay, Gretchen Rubin. So I'll just briefly describe the four tendencies so people know what we're talking about. Um, and we're opposites in a way, like I'm an upholder and you're a rebel, so that's good. Um, but it there can is a work, qu- right? There was pairs that could work, right? I yeah, rebel and upholder is the most difficult tendency. Oh, that's to right. Pair that's in. the most difficult. Yeah, right, that's right. the most difficult. Rebel um, and obliger. Like if you work. have a partner, yeah. I'm guessing that your partner is an obliger. Yes. Yeah, How'd because that's over. Because that's overwhelmingly the case. If one person is a rebel, the other person is an obliger. That's overwhelmingly the case. And except for certain uh, very predictable exceptions to that, um, that's almost always true. Um, So there's upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels. This is my four tendencies personality framework. Um, I wrote a book about it, and there's a quiz. If you want to take a quiz that tells you what you are, you can take it at quiz.gretchenribbon.com. Um, but most people don't even like if we'll, just in the brief discussion that we'll have, um, most people know can figure out their tendency. 
So it has to do with how you respond to expectations, outer expectations like a work deadline and inner expectations like uh, a request from a friend. And so depending on how you respond to outer and inner expectations, you're either an upholder, a questioner, obliger, or rebel. So upholders readily meet outer and inner expectations. They meet the work deadline. They keep the New Year's resolution without much fuss. They want to know um, what other uh, they want to know what others expect for them, but their expectations for themselves are just as important. Then there are questioners. Questioners question all expectations. They'll do something if they think it makes sense. So they're making everything an inner expectation. They resist anything arbitrary, ineffective, irrational. They need to know why before they'll comply. Then there are obligers. Obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. So I got my insight into this when a friend said, I don't understand it. When I was in high school, I was on the track team and I never missed track practice. Why can't I go running now? Well, when you had a team and a coach expecting you to show up, no problem. But when you're just trying to go on your own, you struggle. And then finally, rebels. Rebels resist outer and inner expectations. They want to do what they want to do in their own way, in their own time. They can do anything they want to do. They can do anything they choose to do. But if you ask or tell them to do something, they're very likely to resist. And typically, they don't like to tell themselves what to do. Like they often wouldn't do something like sign up for a 10 a.m. spin class on Saturdays because they're like, I don't know what I'm going to want to do on Saturday. And just the fact that somebody's expecting me to show up is just annoying. Um, so those are the four tendencies. Next up is Dr. Paul Saladino, the carnivore MD. And indeed, he has been doing a great job as one of the leaders of the burgeoning carnivore diet movement. And oh my goodness, this is an exercise in critical thinking and remaining open-minded. When I first heard about the carnivore movement, I dismissed it as something that was ridiculous and fringe because it did not align with my fixed and rigid beliefs that a colorful plate of vegetables should be the centerpiece of your diet. And Dr. Saladino presents a very compelling argument that plant foods may not be necessary for human health, and in fact, for many people, could be unhealthy due to their sensitivity to the natural toxins that are contained in all plants. And throughout his conversations, anywhere you hear him talking or writing, he does an extremely good job at referencing scientific research and making a very thoughtful and compelling and well-supported argument for his seemingly radical positions. But boy, this stuff is catching on. If you want to go look at meatheals.com, Dr. Sean Baker's work, you can read hundreds of success stories of people who have healed from an assortment of autoimmune and inflammatory illnesses, chronic illnesses that they couldn't get relief from uh, with mainstream approaches, and then a 30-day restriction period where plants, all plants are restricted. So a carnivore-style eating pattern uh, brings immediate healing. So it's nothing to be trivialized or uh, scoffed at. And boy, Dr. Paul does a great job. Even in this short clip, I'm sure you'll be inspired to listen to his entire show as I was captivated the first time I heard him talking at length about the carnivore diet and also Dr. Sean Baker, who uh, was on the show and we'll have a highlight clip from him coming soon. But here comes Dr. Saladino bringing it hard. You can get a hormetic boost from eating the plant poison, but remember the other thing that people don't talk about that those plant poisons will they'll get us in the end. You know, you may get a hormetic boost in terms of glutathione, 
But if you look carefully, and we can talk about resveratrol, we can talk about curcumin, we can talk about any compound that you want to talk about. If you look in the human body, it's doing something else bad somewhere else because it's not from our operating system, right? It's like people want to focus on the good thing because they want to sell supplements or because they want to pretend that there are these magical molecules that are going to make us live longer. And in fact, they're just not from our operating system. Why do you need something from a plant? Look at an animal. It's just like you. Everything you need to be a healthy animal is in that animal. And if you try and eat things from plants, they're just going to hurt you in the end. You may get a little glutathione, but it's going to have other negative effects that you can't avoid. So I would argue they're all net negative. And check this out. If you look at studies that have been done with fruit and vegetables, I love these. There are actual fruit and vegetable intervention studies that have been done. And when they're ranging in length from four to 10 weeks, what they did in these studies, there's about five of them. They took people and they divided them into two groups. And one group ate a bunch of fruits and vegetables on the order of like a number of pounds of them a week. And the other group had zero or a very small amount of fruits and vegetables. Like they had groups of people who ate no fruit and vegetables for 10 weeks, right? And they had another group that was eating five to six pounds of fruit and vegetables per week, right? A huge amount. And included in that fruits and vegetables were things like apples and oranges and brassica vegetables, Jerusalem artichokes and broccoli, all the things we've been told are very beneficial. They outline which fruits and vegetables they want people to eat. And at the end of four weeks or at the end of 10 weeks, they looked at oxidative stress, DNA damage, and markers of lipid peroxidation. And what do you think they found? No difference. <laughs> no, no difference. So the idea, and in one study they found worsening, right? There's an incredible study that I can give you the title of if people want to read it, where they found worsening of oxidative stress parameters when people ate flavonoid-rich vegetables. And in the other studies, they found no difference, suggesting the notion that fruits and vegetables are benefiting you from an oxidative stress or DNA damage long-term has never been supported by an interventional study with fruits and vegetables. This is mind-blowing, right? You can take the sulforaphane and you can look at it in cell culture or you can just look at DNA damage short-term, but when they do the interventional studies, there's no benefit. Why are we eating them? And then the other thing is, even in these studies, they're not even looking at the way that the vegetables could be negative. They're just looking at the things that they thought were going to show benefit because these are the people, mm. they wanted to say, hey, look, eating fruits and vegetables improves DNA damage. It improves your oxidative stress markers. Lo and behold, they couldn't show that. It didn't change it. And people will say, well, it didn't make it worse. And, well, there is one study that shows that it was worse. And then I would argue that they didn't look at the right outcomes. They also didn't look at thyroid function. You know, they didn't look at overall iodine levels. There are so many metrics that we can look at for a human. But if we look at overall health, there's no evidence that fruits and vegetables are beneficial. Here comes Debbie Potts, six-time Hawaii Ironman finisher, host of the Low Carb Athlete podcast, and recovering burnout victim from the chronic overtraining patterns that we see so commonly at the highest levels of endurance sport. And now she's become an expert on leading a healthy, balanced life, including uh, the pursuit of functional medicine and advanced nutritional testing and scrutiny uh, to help heal uh, these imbalances and depletions that occur uh, from overdoing it and getting into that burnout phase. So a little tidbit from Debbie, you see much more on her podcast and of course, listening to the full length show. So in nutrition world and functional medicine, I think a lot of people are doing all the lab works, which lab tests that you do not get from your doctor. They're very much more detailed. I've been using athletes blood tests. I've used wellness FX. 
but there's one step further you need to go. And that's what I feel like nutritional therapy helps. So I don't know if that answers your question in a roundabout way. I think, you know, it's looking at nutrition for you as a bio-individual. Well, take me back to those uh, shocking, quick comments you made, because here you are, a, a champion world-level athlete who's training for hours per day and going out and riding the bike 100 miles and doing 20-mile runs and competing in Hawaii in the, in the hot weather and putting up another great finish and then going back the next year and doing it. And all of a sudden, you're saying you gain 30 pounds, you feel like a lazy, fat slug. Uh, you're not even sleeping, which also is strange because if you're tired and you've exercised too much, you would think you'd be sleeping like a log. So yeah. what was that all about? And what did the doctors tell you when you finally went to seek help and the different that, doctors? <laughs> well, that's what, you know, my life is not a race books about is that I kept trying to get help. Cause I'm like, these people aren't telling me what I feel like I need to know. I keep, I kept searching for, to get the right answer. And I think that's what evolved to the holistic method and finding, figuring it out for myself. But it is, you know, that the training and the racing and the constant stress that we talk about all the time, that chronic stress and burnout is, is kind of what led up to this. And, you know, it's funny cause I did so many Ironmans, but it, I, and I missed some years at Ironman Hawaii. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't feel like it this year. You know, I did it last year. I don't want to do it again. And then you know, suddenly 2012 was the last Ironman and I haven't been able to race since 2013 was when this all started. And five years later, I still can't get myself together and my body doesn't want to go run comfortably at my math heart rate under nine minute pace. You know, it's just been a five years ongoing. So racing was not really the full part of my stress that caused this health breakdown from the inside out, it's really the chronic stress from life. And that's why I feel like this topic can relate to everybody because it's financial stress. It's this, I own my own business. I have say $7,000 a month. I have to pay rent and I want to get paid too. And I have to pay my trainers. And, you know, it's this constant stress trying to build a business marketing. I mean, all of that, whatever it might be for you, that's the problem. I think we we have in our society is that we're trying to do so much. We're trying to be successful. We're trying to fit more into the day. And then as triathlete, we're fitting, you know, swim, bike, run workouts, plus our strength and our mobility and our yoga. And we're trying to do that. Plus have a family and have a life and try to be social and get your sleep. So it's really hard to put that all in, in a day. Enjoy this clip from my interview with Angela Mavridis, founder of Trebali Foods. And we have a wonderful story of entrepreneurial American dream at its finest. Angela started this company making delicious, organic, healthy, frozen meat products with great flavoring based on her Greek background and the wonderful cuisine that she grew up with. But she had a long stint as a vegetarian uh, for decades, even though the family business that she worked in since she was a child was a string of hamburger restaurants. And then, uh, I guess, not feeling great, a little tired, haggard, busy mom 
she had a craving for meat one day and she said it was the greatest thing she'd ever tasted. And that led her on her journey of making her own wonderful blends that she ground herself. She'd get the raw material from Whole Foods down the street and make these concoctions at home. Everyone was asking for more. The classic story of an amazing business startup. And now you'll find Tribali Foods products in all the major stores and chains around the country. Uh, but this clip talks about her upbringing where she would go back and forth from a base in California to summers in Greece and getting re-immersed back into the wonderful cultural traditions and how much healthier and more balanced of a lifestyle, healthier diet, healthier everything uh, that her summers were. And then she'd get back re-immersed into American culture and suffer health consequences accordingly. So a nice little clip from a great show with Angela Mavridis. Enjoy. I grew up spending my summers in Greece. So I was born there. I moved here when I was six years old, but I also went back subsequently every summer. And I had a group of friends there. And of course my group of friends here, right? I'd go to school here nine months out of the year. And then we'd be shipped off to Greece. Wow, all every summer. summer. Every summer until I was so, probably college, till I went to college. I even did that. Even my first two years of college, I remember because I was in a sorority and they have like inspo week. I'm like, sorry, I'm going to be in Greece. I'll be back. You guys are invited. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I had my group of friends there and it was amazing. The food that we would eat, how we would play the outdoor time. So different than the life here, Yeah, you know, and it's just. So they were behind us by a, a, a number of years where it was even better than here at the time. Is that what you're saying? Like um, your your experience here as a teenager or whatever? Right. It was so much better there Ugh. because because there was just outdoor play. We were in the sun, in the water. The food was always fresh. There was no fast food. There was no drive-thru. Mediterranean diet. Mediterranean yeah. diet, which really, I sort of joke, I started paleo because kind of that's how I grew up, Mediterranean food, paleo, to confusion and then back again, right? I spent my teens confused. Like, what do I eat? How do I eat fat-free this? Um, you know, meat is bad for you. It's going to cause cancer. That's why I thought, okay, let me embark on the vegetarian diet. It sounds like the best diet for health and all the scares of the fat, you know, saturated fat and cholesterol and what have you. And now I circle back to eating the exact same way that I was eating growing up in Greece. I mean, Mediterranean paleo, real food diet. Um, Most likely really high quality animals back then in Greece. Oh yeah. Right. Even now, even now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you get big some difference. lamb. Yeah, big yeah. difference. And you can feel it. I remember just thriving. I felt like I grew taller. I leaned out three summers there. My digestion was fine. I didn't have acne, you know, all the things that teenagers go through. And then I would come here and I was a little bit more sedentary. I was a little bit, even though we cooked healthy at home, dad owned a fast food hamburger drive through So it was burgers, fries, Go and get a shake, dessert. right? Yeah. Burgers, fries, and a shake uh, more often than not. So I felt like, you know, acne and all the issues. And then I would go to Greece. Three months, it would clear up. I would come back. I'd have issues again. Enjoy my interview with Lake Tahoe's own Larry Sidney. And our show was about his amazing journey where he, it, late in life, in his late 40s, he dropped everything to go all out in pursuit of an Olympic dream. He became captivated by the Olympic winter sport of skeleton, and he went for it. 
got into training, qualified for the World Cup circuit, representing the great nation of Israel, and he competed at a very high level for a few years on the circuit and just gave everything, his heart and soul, into this interesting uh, midlife career transition, career pause to go for sports. And in this clip, uh, he's talking about the value that comes from uh, competing in an intense environment like athletics and how you can transfer that over into all other peak performance goals that you seek in life, especially in the career scene and the same attributes that we're looking for uh, when we're hiring people or trying to build a winning team in the business world. So enjoy this short clip from my show about Larry Sidney and his Olympic dream in the skeleton. I'll start by saying I'm, I'm not looking for a big company to hire me right now because I have some other things going on, but I'm the kind of person, somebody, somebody who has been through that and has taken those lessons and now can take the same lessons you learned in sport, the same lessons you learned about giving 100% to get back 100%. Um, those are the things that, that can make someone successful in other areas of their life. And so if you're, if you're um, a business and you're looking for, for amazing employees, you know, some of the people who I was competing with and competing against are exactly those kinds of people. And I see them, I see them transitioning to those roles in companies, or I see them while they're training, also working at some of these companies that support that. Um, and they're just as, just as amazing in the workplace as they are training for the Olympics and training in these sports. And I think that's, that's an amazing lesson for people out there. And if you're a parent and you're you're wondering, you know, gosh, all this time I put into carting my kid around to the soccer games or the gymnastics, uh, you know, meets on the weekends or, or is, you know, is this going to be worth it if my kid doesn't get a scholarship to college? And, you know, big picture, my, my answer is, oh my God, of course it is. And, and I'd, I'd have to imagine that, you know, that you have some thoughts on that too. Oh my gosh. That's, yeah, you, you said it all. I mean, we're, we're so fixated on the end result. I mean, this is my entire recurring theme for the podcast is to get over yourself and appreciate the journey <laughs> and cultivate that pure motivation whereby you don't attach your self-esteem to the result. You don't feel like a failure in front of your wife raving, waving the Israeli flag and your kid and you're like, oh, dang, I got third place. It's like, you got, <laughs> you know, that was a third place victory because you mm -hmm. just smashed a exactly. PR and went 85 miles an hour. Thank you for listening to the show. I love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support. Please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback, suggestions, and questions for the Q&A shows. Subscribe to our email list at bradkearns.com for a weekly blast about the published episodes and a wonderful bi-monthly newsletter edition with informative articles and practical tips for all aspects of healthy living. You can also download several awesome free ebooks when you subscribe to the email list. And if you could go to the trouble to leave a five or five star review with Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the shows, that would be super incredibly awesome. It helps raise the profile of the BRAD podcast and attract new listeners. And did you know that you can share a show with a friend or loved one by just hitting a few buttons in your player and firing off a text message? My awesome podcast player called Overcast allows you to actually record a soundbite excerpt from the episode you're listening to and fire it off with a quick text message. Thank you so much for spreading the word. And remember, be rad.